When the NFL schedule makers scheduled the Chicago Bears for three primetime games, they didn't do it based on merit. Nobody was expecting this team to be very good. They did it because people like me and you were going to tune in. Chicago's fan base was going to watch those games. And even if the team was absolute garbage, they knew we would be watching. I'm TJ Starman and welcome to The Bear Market, a show where I take a bi-weekly look at the Chicago Bears, following the trends to call out the risers and fallers right here on the Waiting in the Sky podcast feed. Each episode features two distinct sections, market analysis and buy or sell. Before we get into everything today, I just wanted to say if you missed the first episode of The Bull Market, essentially this show's sister show uh, for the Chicago Bulls, That is available now on the podcast feed and from now on is going to be alternating on Wednesdays with the bear market. So you're going to have the bull market one week, you're going to have the bear market the next, and that's going to be going on for as long as the NBA and NFL seasons are active. So if you are a Chicago Bulls fan, a basketball fan, please check that out. I'm sure you're going to like it if you've liked this show so far. And with that, let's take a look back at the trends that I analyzed on the last episode of the bear market and see how things have panned out here. Uh, So I had a couple of negative trends that I noted, um, specifically Sam Mustafer playing center, uh, as well as the pass rush for the bears, really just lacking any kind of uh, real drive that was putting a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterbacks, uh, which was really making it tough for the uh, defensive backfield and the linebackers there at the second and third levels to really be competitive and to keep the Bears in games. And unfortunately, with the offense that the Bears have, they do need the defense to be playing at a pretty high level in order to remain competitive. So it can't be overstated how important that a consistent pass rush is to this young team. Uh, So looking at these two groups, first off, let's start with Mustafer. Uh, So Mustafer did get another start at center in week six uh, against Washington on Thursday night football. And we basically just saw more of the same. Uh, And uh, (laughs) it seems like the coaching staff was on the same page uh, with myself and probably a lot of you out there um, because going into week seven after uh, the mini buy that the Bears had between the Thursday night football game and the Monday night football game, We had Lucas Patrick now finally moved over to center where they envisioned him all along and Sam Mustafer was moved to the bench. Uh, Michael Schofield got the start at left guard alongside Patrick. So shuffling of the offensive line going into uh, week seven. And, you know, we did unfortunately see Lucas Patrick go down in that game and Sam Mustafer came in. Uh, And, you know, I think... He did okay, uh, pretty much, you know, one of his better games, I guess, uh, but still very flawed, still very limited player. So I, I still kind of see the negative trend. It's maybe not quite as drastic, but you really feel like um, you want Lucas Patrick to be healthy and you want to see this team move forward uh, with someone other than Mustafer at the center of that starting five. As far as the pass rush goes, uh, I think we didn't really see too much. Uh, in the game against Washington. So that was definitely continuing into that game. 
uh, but week seven brought a lot, a lot of change. And so this is going to be a trend that you're going to notice throughout this episode. So I might as well call it out right now. But week seven, the pass rush really got going. We saw Robert Quinn pick it up a little bit. Um, we saw the younger guys, Travis Gibson, uh, Dominique Robinson, getting um, some more playing time and really being seen out there, being impactful. Um, Alkudi Muhammad was also there. <laughs> I, I don't know specifically that I noticed any big plays from him, but uh, the pass rush in general did seem to pick it up uh, in this most recent game against New England. I did, of course, sell the pass rush, and uh, I did have the caveat with, you know, I'm selling the pass rush as constructed with so much reliance on Robert Quinn, with so much reliance on Alkudi Muhammad. Um, and I think that the Bears had a little bit more of a rotation um, in the most recent game here, week seven. I, again, I think a lot of this stuff really continued into week six against the, the commanders. And it got turned around during this mini bye week going into uh, New England. And I think that the pass rush got rejuvenated a little bit, needed a little bit of a change there. Maybe it's, it's getting those younger guys some more playtime. Um, but I think, I think we don't need to sell quite as hard on, on that as, right now because I think we're in a little bit more of a holding pattern to see you know which way this is going to go. Are we going to see Robert Quinn shipped off in a trade here shortly? Um, are we going to see these younger guys really step up to the plate and continue to be impactful uh, on the defensive line? It's hard to say right now, but you're certainly hoping for uh, probably both of those things uh, if you're looking at the long-term future of the Bears. Couple of positives that I named last episode. Uh, first off, Kendall Vildor uh, in the defensive secondary, playing cornerback, uh, and I think that he's continued to be pretty solid overall in these last couple of games. I think that Kendall Vildor is a guy that it could be a nice surprise if he is playing well enough to remain on the roster or you know to remain in a starting role uh, one two years from now. We'll see, but really nothing crazy as far as the development goes with him, but I do think just kind of a general steady upward trend for him. And I think we'll take that. I think anyone after seeing, you know, sort of the trial by fire he went through last season uh, would happily take this steady uh, increase in value for Kendall Vildor. And of course the uh, positive trend that I ended up buying into was Darnell Mooney. And I, I think this passing game I, I don't want to say that Mooney necessarily drives it, but I do think that he is driven by it. So it, it rather than the passing game going as Mooney goes, which I think a lot of people maybe expected coming into the season, I think we've started to see that he kind of goes as the passing game goes. So if Justin Fields can get going, if he can get, um, you know, have a couple of other targets get going, uh, then Mooney starts to open up a little bit more. The defense can't key in on him quite so much, and he becomes more of an available open target more often. Uh, and so I think maybe this is what some people feared with Allen Robinson moving over to LA uh, this offseason and Darnell Mooney being the number one guy. Question was whether he could really take that mantle of wide receiver one and still be quite as productive. And, you know, I still think he's incredibly talented and you definitely want him on this team in your uh, wide receiver core for uh, the foreseeable future. But I, I do think it's still fair to question those types of things. That said, I think that the, you know, the trend of positivity is still moving upwards from where we saw him at the beginning of the year. So a couple of solid games, not outstanding 
by any means. And, and he did have the big hiccup at the, at the end of the game uh, in, with Washington that essentially he could have had the game winner um, and wasn't able to secure the ball and cross the goal line uh, at the end of the game there. So just, you know, another heartbreaker, unfortunately. And that's a good transition point here into our market analysis for weeks six and seven of the NFL season. And I'm already kind of breaking format here in the third episode of the show in that I'm just going to say the negative trend is week six, that Washington game, pretty much everyone that was just atrocious. And I I will fully admit I did not watch the second half of that game. I had to catch uh, a lot of the updates on my phone. I at a certain point decided it was not worth it. And I went to see Halloween ends and had my phone out to take a look at the score uh, while the movie was playing, Uh, especially because if you listen to my review of that movie, you uh, know my feelings on it, that I was not a big fan of that movie. So that was just a really kind of crummy night altogether for me. And, uh, you know, I wasn't alone in that. Um, Bears fans everywhere. And of course, the Bears uh, themselves had a really rough night. Uh, and Thursday night football against the Washington Commanders and uh, Ron Rivera. It's, uh, of course, a very low-scoring game coming off the heels of, I uh, was believe it was the Broncos and Colts, very low-scoring game where uh, you know there was not a lot of touchdowns. That was the whole running joke that we got for three straight weeks of Thursday night football. There's not a lot of touchdowns in that game, not a lot of touchdowns in this Bears-Washington game. And then finally, got a bunch of touchdowns in the, uh, the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinal Saints game this past week. And so I'm glad that joke is finally over because, you know, being part of the Bears fan base and being sort of the butt of that joke was not fun. Um, but it makes total sense. There was not a lot of touchdowns scored and it was just so infuriating to see the Bears struggling um, in those goal to go situations. They get into the red zone and generally speaking, you know, you're feeling pretty good because they're in striking distance um, and then even get within 10 yards of the end zone. But for some reason, this team has just been struggling so much to score in those situations in uh, week six against Washington at home on the national primetime stage of Thursday night football, it was rough. It was very rough. And it was just, it was hard to watch and to the point where I I couldn't watch anymore. Uh, So I had to kind of catch up on a lot of what happened in the second half. And I don't regret my decision whatsoever. So negative trend, I'm going to go with week six just as a whole. It really seemed like Justin Fields was out there just, you know, trying to gut through it and, and somehow pull that game, you know, out of a hat at some point because this guy is getting beat up. He's getting hit, you know, whether he drops back for a pass or whether he's scrambling on a run, he's getting hit hard. And the only offense that was really working in that game was those quarterback scrambles, those quarterback runs as a whole. And that's not what you want. You want to have that as a weapon in your arsenal for sure, but you definitely want your standard, you know, get running back in the backfield, those plays uh, to be very successful. And you really want a functional passing game as well. Um, So to rely on quarterback runs is not a great sign. And I think it was indicative of just how much the Bears struggled in that game. 
And I will say uh, the defense obviously played well enough to win. I mean, allowing only 12 points against Washington, you know, Carson Wentz, you would be very discouraged if they allowed him to light up the scoreboard. So fortunately, that did not come to reality. Um, But yeah, generally negative vibes, negative, negative, negative vibes from that week six matchup against Washington. To totally switch gears here, I think there was a lot of positivity uh, from this most recent game, week seven in New England against the Patriots and Bill Belichick. I mentioned already that the Bears found themselves in this sort of unique situation. It happens uh, over the course of the NFL season where they they had a have a really late bye week, week 14, if I'm not mistaken. And so to try and you know, compensate for that. I believe the NFL schedule makers gave the Bears this Thursday night football game followed by a Monday night football game, which gave them a little bit more time in between their weekly games. And this is what is commonly referred to as a mini buy. It's called that because it, it you obviously have more time to reevaluate, you know, make adjustments and things like that versus like a quick turnaround where you really just have to focus on the next game at hand. This allowed the Bears coaching staff to really take a step back, look at a slightly larger picture here, you know, rather than just the adjustments that needed to be made for the New England game, they could look at the adjustments that needed to be made for the season as a whole. And so we start to see some changes, some adjustments like uh, I already talked about with the offensive line. Uh, They brought Michael Schofield in at the left guard position and slid Lucas Patrick over to center. They did keep Tevin Jenkins at right guard. They kept Braxton Jones at left tackle and Larry Borum at right tackle. So those young guys were still there. They switched up the, you know, the more experienced players in the middle there. And I think that looked really good coming off, uh, you know, right off the bat. I mean, I'll just say that everything went great in this game for the Bears. I mean, was it, you know, did they look like world beaters? No, not necessarily. But did they look amazing for what we have come to expect from this team? And did they look like a very competent, dare I say, almost good team uh, on the national stage of ESPN Monday Night Football? Yeah, they did. They came out and they scored points, 33 points against the New England Patriots, which have just a really stout defense. Bill Belichick scheming it up against his opponent to keep them from scoring a lot of points and to keep them in this game. I should say in the game, in whatever game they're playing. Uh, So to be able to put up 33 points against New England in that defense was pretty impressive uh, for any team and especially impressive for the Chicago Bears team. And I think that this was also due to some adjustments being made. Um, Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, that offensive staff, put together an offensive game plan that seemed to be much more tailored to Justin Fields' strengths. Um, we saw him on the move more. We saw some designed quarterback runs. Um, we saw some deep shots, or at least the threat of a deep shot down the field. Um, and allowed him to really play his game in a way that we've not yet seen uh, so far this season. And it's really encouraging because if that is something that can um, be replicated week in and week out, then we'll maybe get to see some actual development from Justin Fields or at the very least get to see him survive this season um, and really go back at it reloaded with some new wide receivers, with some new offensive linemen, more weapons in general. 
with Ryan Poles, hopefully opening up the wallet, using all of that cap space next year to enhance this roster and turn them into a much more competitive team. So very encouraging to see the offense score some points and be Justin Fields offense. So hopefully that's here to stay very, very positive uh, whenever you can talk about the Chicago Bears offense looking good. I really want to highlight that the team just looked great on all three phases here. Um, on special teams, we had Dante Pettis taking over punt return duties for Valus Jones Jr. Uh, obviously had his struggles with fielding punts and muffing those punts and really terrible situations. Um, so Dante Pettis had some uh, pretty good returns that helped set up some good field position for the Bears offense. So it was great to see that. And I think more impressively, Cairo Santos uh, was, I believe, four of four on his field goal attempts in that game. Um, he was perfect in that game, and he is perfect on the season in field goal attempts. In the first episode of the show, I talked about maybe selling Cairo Santos because of his mixed extra points in the season opener against the 49ers. Of course, I, I did note that the weather was just absolutely atrocious in that game, and hopefully that was the, the reason for his struggles. And I think we can confirm at this point that that is true because he's been incredibly consistent. He's been much more of the player that Bears fans like myself have come to expect uh, over recent years here in his second stint with the team. So Cairo Santos, another positive. I uh, want to keep that going. And, you know, hopefully this is a guy that is locking down that position for years, uh, similarly to the way Robbie Gold did in the past. And then on the defensive side, uh, so the Patriots had a lot of momentum here. Um, they also had just a weird situation, though. So Bailey Zappi, who was, I believe, a fourth round draft pick out of Western Kentucky, uh, basically, you know, not a super highly touted prospect, came in and took over for Brian Hoyer, who was taking over for Mac Jones, uh, who was injured. And obviously, Mac Jones had a pretty solid, uh, arguably good season last year as a rookie. So I think a lot of people were maybe expecting him to be able to take a ne the next step in his second year. So his injury early on was unfortunate, but you end up getting this storyline with Bailey Zappi taking over. He starts the previous two games for the team and ends up going 2-0 in those matchups. Well, Mac Jones is healthy or at least healthy enough to play. So the question all week is, is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Bailey Zappi? Who's going to get the start for the Patriots? And they ended up going with Mac Jones. Bill Belichick goes back to his first round draft pick from last year as opposed to this year's rookie and mac jones was actually moving the ground moving the ball on the ground uh pretty well but i think he had 13 passing yards or something like that total before he's eventually yanked from the game um, after throwing an interception to jaquan brisker that brought in Bailey Zappi, who ha again had all this momentum the team clearly was buying into a little bit of that linsanity esque magic. Uh, I, you know, could call it the zapping, uh, potentially. And he came in and he really, you know, lit up the Bears on two drives. They scored two touchdowns and took the lead. And then from that point on, it was just totally different. It was a totally different ball game. 
and I want to call out some you know specific things that I noticed from the defense at that point. Um, Robert Quinn looked much more like himself. I already talked about that contributing to the pass rush was obviously huge. I think that helps the defense play a little bit more loose. Um, and they can take a little bit more, some of those riskier shots to try and cause turnovers. I think that's what we saw a lot in 2018 with that strong pass rush and those guys um, turning the ball over a lot. And then I also think that Roquan Smith had one of his best games, if not his best game of the season uh, in this one as well. So, you know, as a guy who is looking to, cash in on a big uh, new contract this offseason, every game's critical for him. And he's had some where he wasn't looking great, um, but he definitely looked very, very good in this game. So I, I did want to call out Roquan Smith as another positive here. And then uh, I also already kind of touched on it with Jaquan Brisker and his interception, but he wasn't alone in that. Kyler Gordon also coming away with an interception. The rookies... The two second round rookie draft picks uh, of the the first two picks of the Ryan Poles era that have been much maligned. Uh, you know, a lot of people were really upset. There was some wide receiver talent on the board there. Cough, George Pickens, cough. And I think a lot of people also would have been fine with like, you know, taking a swing on a, a lineman earlier on in the draft too. So there's been a lot of criticism. I think generally more uh, about Kyler Gordon than Brisker. I think Brisker has been pretty consistently good from the beginning here. Kyler Gordon has had his struggles that I've already talked about in previous episodes, but just so cool to see both those guys come away with interceptions here. Kyler Gordon almost had a pick six, which just would have been amazing to help cap that game off, um, but definitely want to show a little bit of love to those guys and give them a little bit of the spotlight here as a positive trend. And with that, I think we can shift gears to our buy or sell uh, i'm going to i think we can kind of throw out the sell option here because i think i would have sold a lot of things from that negative week six against washington but we've already seen this team turn around uh, and really have a brilliant showing uh, one week later so i i'm gonna skip the sell part of this segment this time um, and then as far as buying what am I buying from this really strong game in week seven against the Patriots I'm going to say I'm going to buy the coaching staff the specifically the preparations the adjustments made by this coaching staff and so whether that is Matt Eberflus as the head coach you know obviously everything needs to stem from him but if it was the defensive guys under Alan Williams the defensive coordinator or the offensive guys under Luke Getze, uh, the offensive coordinator, making those adjustments. I think we saw on all fronts, things looked better. And I think that's what you really want from a coaching staff. I think that's something we didn't see a whole lot of from uh, Matt Nagy's coaching trees, coaching staffs. Um, and I think that you really want this to be a sign of things to come. You want this to be a consistent part of what Matt Eberflus and his staff can do. You want them to be, you know, not just competent, but, you know, good at making the adjustments because that's the biggest thing that coaching staffs can do. You know, scheming is one thing. Having your own offensive scheme, defensive scheme, and, you know, filling those roles uh, 
with players that you're signing and drafting to bring in is one thing. But being able to then pivot and adjust and see that end up in a victory against uh, you know someone who we know is a really good coach, one of the best of all time on the opposite sideline is you know, just really impressive. And so I'm hoping that that's something that is uh, going to be here to stay, you know, whether that's on a smaller scale uh, and it's week to week, if it's, you know, in between halves, if it's, you know, in between drives, you would love to see that. And, and of course, you want to see that in between seasons as well. So like going from this season to the next season, we want to see a lot of adjustments being made to better tailor to you know player skill sets things like that so uh, i'm gonna buy this coaching staff and their ability to make adjustments going forward and that is going to bring an end to this episode of the bear market for the podcast listeners you can show your support by rating and reviewing the show if you're watching on YouTube, please consider doing me the massive favor of liking the video, dropping a comment with the bears that you are buying or selling, and subscribing for more episodes all season long. The bears are three and four, which I think, again, at this point, people are pretty okay with. I think if you asked if they were going to, if, if you told a bears fan that they were going to play the commanders and the patriots and they're going to split those games i don't think anyone would guess that it would have fallen this way but it did so we'll take it they look really good i think we're on a wave of positivity here as a fan base i want to you know keep surfing along that as much as possible but again that's it for me today i'm tj starman thank you for listening to the bear market and go bears go bears